It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Our interview this month is going to be with Jim Snedeker, co-founder and CEO of Stock Manufacturing, a company that creates custom uniform programs for some of the greatest establishments, restaurants, and hotels in the world. I am very pleased to welcome Jim Snedeker, the co-founder and CEO of Stock Manufacturing Company. It's a top workwear creator for premium hospitality brands. Hey, thanks a lot, Jim, for taking the time to uh, spend with us. Yeah, thanks a lot, Jerry. Thanks for having me. And uh, congratulations on your 10th year in business. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's... uh... It's flown by at times and not so much at other times, but it's, uh, yeah. it's quite a bench. It's quite, it's quite a milestone. Thank you. It is. And I, I appreciate it because we started in 2012. So I know what it takes cool. to get Congrats. this far. So uh, kudos. So Thank you. the majority of the hospitality properties that follow Keystone uh, are smaller independent properties. And they're looking for a way to find a way in the marketplace to make an impression. So with this in mind, I found your story, the story of Stock, very inspirational. Would you mind sharing how Stock started? Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll keep as brief as, as brief as I can because it's kind of a it's a can be a long story. Um, so we, like you said, we we started our business in 2012, and we were a menswear brand. So you know, think classic Americana sportswear, you know, button down shirts, that kind of that kind of apparel brand. Um, and our kind of hook was that we had a factory here in Chicago that we were partnered with. So we were designing, developing, manufacturing everything under one roof. And our sort of hook was that we sold direct to consumer without any retail middlemen. So it was all, um, you know, shirts of cost you 150 or 160 bucks at a boutique or at Nordstrom. We were selling for 88 to $98. So that was sort mm-hmm. of our, the hook with business. Yeah. and. Um, pretty early on, we, we, we really had no money, no marketing budget or anything like that. Um, we were literally like grabbing old dead stock fabric off the factory shelves and cutting it into ties and shirts and saying like, Hey, uh, Mr. Factory owner, we'll, we'll pay you for these once we sell them. Um, so that, that we were that scrappy. And of course we had no real marketing budget either. So the big plan was to collaborate with you know, at the time, it was someone with a big Tumblr following or, or whatever. Instagram hadn't really even come up yet. Um, and we would leverage their audience, um, do a collaboration with them, leverage their audience to, to reach more and more consumers. Um, and, you know, they got a share of the profits from the, the collaboration we did with them. And that sort of like we built a reputation as a very collaborative brand. We had a really good following in Chicago and pretty solid out in New York as well. 
Um, and in like a end of our first year, beginning of our second year in business, we got approached by Alinea Restaurant Group. So Alinea and Next at the time were in Chicago. They've got added a couple more since then, but they were Alinea was ranked the number one restaurant in the world. So we were like, you know, we oh, wow. we don't know. Yeah, we don't we don't know much about doing uniforms for hospitality, but they have a sort of a specific vision and it'd be a really cool brand to align with. So let's let's do these uniforms for them. And it's very collaborative, very custom. Um, eight, eight plus years later, they're still wearing those same uniforms at, at both of their restaurants. So very, very nice feather in our cap to have. But um, as you know, it's a small industry and word travels fast about things that are good or interesting or new. Um, and next thing you know, we had restaurants knocking down our door asking to do custom uniforms for them. Um, and it all sort of came to a head in 2014 when Soho House opened in Chicago and we did the whole uniform program top to bottom. It was a huge deal. There was Pratt, you know, it was a big deal. Um, and that sort of set that side of the business off into overdrive. And we ran the brand and the uniform company sort of side by side for a while. And then in like 2018, we kind of looked at it and we were like, this uniform business is growing hand over fist and we've never spent a dollar on marketing. We don't have a salesperson and we're spending so much time and budget on the brand. And it's just, you know, we're a tiny fish in a gigantic ocean. And with this uniform thing, we're almost like by accident, we're a medium fish in a small pond, you know? So um, we just really doubled on our focus on that, right? Um, in 2019, we switched the whole business over to uniforms. Um, of course, had to get a little scrappy and, and pivot a bit during COVID, or at least during the, the height of COVID in 2020. Um, but if you look at our website now, we've, we've got a whole um, collection of uniform items for hotels, restaurants, bars. It's primarily front of house. Um, you can just go on the website, buy one of something, 12 of something, and it ships next day. And then we also do completely custom projects from the ground up, which is sort of like what we built our reputation on and cut our teeth on, but that's, um, you know, not the only part of our business. Now we do have a full in stock offering. Nice. Now, who are some of your clientele? Um, well, if we're talking hotels, um, sort of our biggest clients are Auberge hotels and resorts. They're a, yeah. a very high end. Yeah. They're, they're worldwide. Um, Aperium hotel group based out of Chicago. They have hotels all over the, the U S White Lodging is another hotel management company based out of uh, Indiana, and they've got hotels all over the country as well. Um, Ace Hotel, the Hoxton Hotel, Soho House. Um, and if, if you know much about the Chicago restaurant scene, we pretty much work with every, every big restaurant group in Chicago and some out in Austin, some in Dallas, some in D.C. Um, yeah, it's, it's a lot to start naming. And then cannabis as well we do a couple big cannabis companies for their dispensary uniforms yeah actually i saw that that's relatively new yeah. is it or cannabis yeah i mean yeah i mean legalized cannabis is fairly you know rec cannabis is fairly new so we mm -hmm. were right there like the the day chicago the day illinois um legalized rec marijuana use was, was january 1st 2020 yeah, two years ago, January first, yeah, okay. twenty twenty, we had we were outfitting two of the bigger cannabis brands in Chicago or in Illinois, um, and they're they're nationwide now. Um, one of them sold, and we don't work with them anymore. But we work with with Sunnyside, which is a division of Cresco, um, on you know hundreds of dispensaries of theirs around the country. Excellent. Okay. Yeah. Now I see 
I see that you use or have taken on the principles of the lean uh, production system, mm -hmm. which I find fascinating. But not everybody might know what that is. Can you explain it and how that could benefit buyers? Sure. So, yeah, I, we, we, I fell into doing, to kind of studying lean in the Toyota production system um, a couple of years back. We had built our own little factory because we were kind of outpaced the one we were we were partnered with in in Chicago. Um, so I, I had studied instead of doing large batch production, we wanted to figure out how to do small batch production, which lends itself from the the Toyota production system. Um, but basically, without getting too like in the weeds and trying to simplify a very complex um, idea, it's basically. Um, Continuous improvement is sort of the, one of the big principles um, that we use for our business, but also um, the idea of pull versus push production. So creating inventory when you need it, not necessarily building huge stocks of inventory and then trying to sell it. So th those are kind of the two main parts that we apply to our business. Um, also like, you know, every a place for everything, everything in its place continuous improvement, pull production, those are sort of the, the core tenants of lean that we use in our business. Um, as far as the, the pull versus push production, that helps keep our costs down for our clients because mm -hmm. that keeps our, our overhead down. Um, uh, you know, it has its downfalls, especially during the, the supply chain crunch that we've had due to COVID. You know, it's, it's your production timelines get screwed up and shipping costs are more inflated than they used to be. So there are arguments, arguments to be made for going back to bulk inventory production um, right now, but we, you know, we've built the business off that and we're sticking with it. And then the idea of continuous improvement is, you know, that we basically look at our business all the time. Like, could we be documenting this process to make it easier for a new hire instead of just like having someone own it themselves, right? So we, we tend to document a lot of processes. We tend to, um, you know, are we getting back to customers when they reach out in a timely manner? Are we overlooking, you know, sometimes we'd have a project come in and it gets overlooked. So making sure we have multiple people attached to that project on our project management board so it doesn't slip through the cracks. Um, just sort of always noodling on the business to figure out how to make it more, um, operate more efficiently and be more customer friendly. That's super. Uh, that is something that I stress a lot to businesses, uh, to properties of all sizes. Having a system in place to document everything step-by-step step as they go along is imperative for success, in my opinion. So the yep. fact that you guys are doing it and making it work, I really like that. Do you empower your employees during this process? Yeah, so um, in what, well, let's let's clarify. What do you mean by empower them? Like, well, do, we okay, let, do so I let them go and run and, and create a handbook or something like that? Not necessarily. I'm, what I mean is if, uh, okay, if you have a process in place, and somebody comes to you and says, you know what, I might have a better way to do this. Will you, will you yes. listen to them, basically? I, I prefer that. I'd rather have people coming with me to, with ideas than me having to push everything out. That's super. All right, you mentioned sourcing was becoming a bit of an issue or has mm -hmm. been an issue. Can yep. you talk a little more about the problems or the situations you've had? Yeah, I mean, specific to us, so we do the, the bulk of our manufacturing we do in Turkey now, in Istanbul. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah that, that's where the bulk of our manufacturing is. We do some 
knit garments and like headwear and accessories in China. Um, but pretty much all of our woven shirts, pants, jackets, all that stuff is done in Turkey. Um, and they, as you know, got massacred by COVID uh, multiple times yeah. and their government, they've had a tough time, you know, with some, with the government there a little bit. So I think, um, the supply chain stuff got pretty acute there for us. Um, and the big thing was mills closing. So for us, continuity is a big thing that we sell. Like, um, the way that we sort of have built a lot of our, our early business and have continued to build it is we saw a lot of customers of ours. There's like the people who go to Cintas and Aramark and that's just it, right? Like you, you don't think about yeah. your uniforms. They come in, they do them. And then there's the companies who we found are like literally going to J crew and like buying stuff they think they think looks cool and buying like dozens or hundreds of those. And that that's their outfit. And then, you know, it's sold out and it's not replenished for six months or it's a discontinued style. So we're, they, people were having these really bad inefficiencies with their uniform programs where they had no continuity and no customer service. So they were just buying stuff retail. So we came in and basically built a, a company that has retail quality uniforms. We do, we do make them with, with workwear in mind. So we have more poly blends and stain resistance and stuff that you would get at a, a standard J crew or banana Republic or whatever. Um, but that's our, our business model is retail quality, but we guarantee continuity. Like as long as someone's wow. wearing this uniform piece, we will continue to make it. Um, and then of course, the, the customer service uh, that you don't really get with working with a retail company. So long story or short story longer or whatever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, this, this promise of continuity we had has been tested quite a bit with COVID because the mill, like literally the mills that were providing our fabric shut down. And so you can't, you can always get really, you can get really close, but you're all, it's almost impossible to get an exact match. Even something like white, you think white is white. And yeah. it's like, you'll get, you'll order a white shirt or a white fabric to make shirts out of. And you'll get 10 different shades of white from 10 different places. You know, it's, it's, that's a very difficult thing. And so the, the big thing for us is like all of our vest styles, you know, we, we sell a lot of, you know, double-breasted, single-breasted waistcoats. Um, and the mill that did like 90% of our vest fabrics shut down. So we had to go to all of our clients who wore vests and say, hey, this is the new style. The color's close, but blah, blah, blah. Um, people are understanding, but it's still like, you know, you never want to be you never want to be calling your client's attentions to thing your client's attention to something that is interrupting their process, right? Like that's, that's how I think about the business a lot is like, let's make the process of designing and buying uniforms very easy for them and then get out of the way, follow up every once in a while and make sure they're doing okay. You know, cause there's turnover, people lose contact info, whatever. Um, and just like when they want to order, be ready to ship when, you know, don't, don't mess something up get rid of unforced errors. And I definitely don't like to go to clients and be like, Hey, I'm going to ship you a new vest style. Can you compare it with this fabric swatch to see if it, you know, it's just, it's something you don't like to do, but you got to stay ahead of that communication. But um, so we did all that, switch all the vests over, got, you know, nine out of 10 clients were said, okay. Um, and then one of the mills doing like half of the new vests went out of business. So we had to start oh. that all. It was just like, 
yeah, so that kind of stuff's been tough. And then the other huge thing is um, the price of importing things, the price of importing goods. So, you know, you can do sea freight, which we rarely ever have time for sea freight because, you know, in, in hospitality, everyone's moving quickly. Yeah, and yeah. Part, of us run, part of us running with low inventory and doing pull production is that, you know, we rarely have a huge back stock of inventory here. Um, but sea freight now is, you know, we used to, you'd budget in an extra 50 cents a shirt and four to six weeks of transport time for shipping. And right. we're up, you know, sea freight's now costing us four or five bucks extra per shirt um, and taking six to 10 weeks. Um, and then wow. o- ocean, ocean freight used to be, you add on a buck or two and now you add on seven, eight, nine bucks. It's it that's been very tough. So um that's been tough. And then just, you know, usually production's four weeks. You know, someone orders a hundred shirts from us, we get them done in four weeks. Now mm-hmm. it's like the fabric the fabric shows up after two weeks instead of two days. And then it takes a little longer to, to do the work because there's not as many employees there because of COVID and and you know whatever. So um four week production times are now often six to eight week production times, shipping, it's just that part has been difficult. So we've had to work a little more proactively on our on our product management than we used to. Do you see a, a light at the end of the tunnel? Do you, do you think it's going to get better in the near future or do you think it'll take a while before it comes back to whatever the new normal is? Um, I have not seen any improvement whatsoever at all in the last you know it, it really peaked around the holidays as as it always does um with supply chain issues and i don't see them i, I mean apparently the port of los angeles has less boats off you know waiting to unload than they did a month ago um and that's that number's decreasing i haven't seen anything to indicate that it's getting any better and i'm always very uh suspicious or I guess maybe not suspicious, suspicious might, not, might not be the right word, but it's hard for me to imagine that the shipping companies are going to get away with charging everyone these rates for two years and then are just going to, out of the goodness of their hearts, reduce those rates back. Yeah, I think there's an overall inflation that is not going away for a while. So this is something that companies should take into consideration when ordering something or when planning their uh, uniform ordering. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, any hotel or restaurant that knows what they're doing right now, because um, it's not just it's not just the uniforms, it's the flatware, it's the linens, it's hmm. construction materials, like everything's taking longer. Um, so really, everyone gets it and everyone knows. It's just everything's getting so much more financially difficult to support because of inflated costs and inflated lead times. So, um, you know, people know it's just whether they can afford to to do it the right way, you know? Yeah, all right. Uh, even if you're a small company, now I'm talking about small hotel, a small inn, uh, even a good sized bed and breakfast. I feel you should think of yourself as a top brand. You should look at yourself as number one, definitely in your region, definitely uh, compared to your competitors. You should be thinking big all the time. Mm-hmm. How do top brands, in your experience, think of uniforms differently than others? Um, I, they, I believe the easiest way to, to put this is that top brands look at uniforms as an investment and not an expense. Good. 
Um, so, you know, it, it, there's really nice restaurants that you can go to where you walk in and the lighting's just right. And the, the back bar looks gorgeous and the tables are really cool and the music's on point and the menus, like, you know, the graphic design on the menu and everything looks great and high end. And then your server walks up to your table and they're in like a baggy maroon shirt with like, you know, <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? Like big totally. black pants and like square toed black shoes on. And it just sort of like takes you out of that. It takes you out of that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if you're investing a little bit more in your employers, so employees, so they look better and feel better, it does. I mean, it boosts employee morale. We've had conversations with clients about this, that people you know, your staff, if your staff's uncomfortable or don't like the way they look um, or feel that they know that you're just buying them the cheapest thing just to get through their shift, um, that affects the way they they treat your business and look at their opportunity as an employee there. You know, the company culture and morale and everything from, you know, it obviously starts with how you're paid and how your managers treat you, but all those mm-hmm. little things sort of add up. Ah, excellent. So you look at it as a marketing expense or they do look at it as a marketing expense. Yeah. Or an investment in your brand. Yeah. So yeah, uh, yeah, you could put that, put that under marketing for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Now uh, I've been asked this uh, by some property owners. Should all employees on a property or at a property have uniforms? And now I'm talking not only the front desk, but well, obviously the housekeepers, but what about, uh, I don't know, the back of the house people or maybe the maintenance person? Well, I think maintenance definitely should have something because they're, mm-hmm. you know, they, you do interact with them. Um, for a hotel, I would say, yes, everyone should be in uniform. Um, you know, restaurants not necessarily like some of my favorite places i go to are you know servers are in jeans and a a band you know a black rock and roll t-shirt and they look cool and and it fits with the ambiance um but there's the more of that uh like a hotel such a bigger operation and you're and you're staying there you're not just in to eat you're there to sleep so there's a level of like comfort and professionalism you want to see at a place that you are choosing to be at your most vulnerable, which is asleep. Uh, so I think you want to you want to know that the rooms are clean, the food's going to be good, and the staff is you know a top notch staff. Perfect. All right, I want to do something with you that's maybe a little bit different. I want to I want to be the workwear manufacturing company. You're okay. going to be the owner of a small hotel or an inn what questions should you ask me when talking uniforms what should the owner of the property be asking yes um what is your what's your opening minimum order quantity what's your minimum order quantity for reorders what is your lead time on a first order what's your lead time on reorders um where your where do your price breaks happen um then you can get really into the, in, if you want to get really granular about the uniform program, you ask how many, what's the useful life of these shirts? You know, how many wash cycles do they, do they hold up on? Um, should they, do these need to be dry cleaned or can the employees wash them at home? Um, those are all sort of like the main 
things. Like it's a lot more the visual part of the uniform program. Like you, you see it or you don't see it, right? Like we can mm -hmm. design something that looks nice and get it to fit the ambiance of the hotel and um, be an upgrade over your current uniform. Um, the thing that we've learned a lot as we've done this over the years is that's like the really easy part for some clients. It's not for some, it's like pulling teeth, trying to get a design decision made. Um, but the, the tricky part of the uniform program is managing it over the long term. It's the supply chain, it's the logistics. Um, you know, we've, we've had a lot of properties where, as you know, opening budget is a lot different than operational budget. Yeah. So they come in and they don't mind having to order 50 custom shirts at a time because they, they got a hundred, they need a hundred to start. So yeah, we'll order a hundred. No problem. Where you get into the weeds is when they go to, you know, the, it gets handed from uh, corporate off to the GM or the F and B director or whatever. And they email me and they say, hi, hey, we have a new hire coming. We need four new shirts. And I say, well, sorry, that's a 50 piece MOQ. And it's going to take four to six weeks to get those shirts made. And that's where, the the sort of like things can fall apart in uniform programs a lot where they're it's not managed properly from the top so that's where we lend a lot of our experience over the years i'm like hey you know maybe you should look at some of these off the rack um features we have and like order a custom apron which are unsized and a lower moq and a quicker lead time and you differentiate with the apron but have them in just our stock blue shirt smart okay Actually, there's questions there I never even thought of. That's super. <laughs> you mentioned a lot of companies you're working with in the U.S. Do you work with any international companies? Uh, well, other than Canada. Yeah, so we had, yes, we work with a lot of hotel companies that are international. Um, I think the only international hotel we've ever actually outfitted was a Soho house in I think actually in Istanbul before we were manufacturing in Turkey, but um, yeah, other than that, pretty much everything's been domestic. Okay. Now, would you be willing to expand if the opportunities arose? Oh yeah, absolutely. And it'd be pretty easy for us too, since most of our production originates in Turkey. So oh, okay. shipping logistically, we can ship direct from the factory to, to anywhere. So. so there's been a lot of ups and downs in the last couple of years in our industry, in your industry, worldwide. Mm -hmm. Do you see any changes or trends coming down the road that maybe hospitality property owners should be aware of? You know, the only thing that I can say is that I, I really think that, I don't want to get in trouble saying anything here, but I think properties hotels that are and this probably doesn't apply to your clientele but properties that are really based around conventions and conferences um are going to need to figure out what to do with that space um because not not that conventions or conferences are going away by any means but i think just like in office work is not going away there's still a lot of people that are working from home now and there's still a lot of people that are going to that are not going to go attend in-person conferences unless they're like highly valuable ones that's my that's my guess that's the thing i haven't seen really start bouncing back that much yeah that's a work in progress what about as far as uniforms go do you see any changes coming down the road for your industry uh i think something we were thankfully pretty ahead on um which really helped sort of save our business when COVID hit is 
more and more properties understand that they need cooler, unique, you know, more differentiated uniforms. But mm -hmm. also, that is a line item that gets cut very quickly. So um, we're very conscious of the ability to fulfill items with low minimum order quantities to to fulfill them quickly and to be you know competitive price wise. I think that's going to be a trend moving forward is like as the adoption of these sort of like boutique, more, you know, unique uniform programs are, are much wider and, and, and more adopted, there's going to be a battle for who's doing it the most efficiently and affordably without sacrificing quality and style. Good, good answer. Actually, I noticed something that you jumped on or your company jumped on a year or two ago when COVID started was uh, masks. Yeah, it was. That was uh, pretty that, fascinating. I give the credit to my, my business partner on that one. So we started, a friend of ours owns a couple bars, like taverns in Chicago, um, came to us right as COVID was hitting, but before any shutdowns had happened, like mm -hmm. Seattle had it and it was like starting to show up in Chicago. And he said, hey, you know, no one's going to be going out as much for the next couple of weeks. My bartenders are going to be hurting as we ride this thing out. Like, would you guys mind designing a t-shirt and we'll throw it for sale on your website and like donate the proceeds to like offset their lost tips that are going to happen over the next couple of weeks. We're like, yeah, sure. Like that, we'd be happy to do that. Um, and that was like on a Friday, we had the design done over the weekend and the shutdowns were announced. I think it was, my timeline's fuzzy now, but I think it was that Sunday. So we oh, literally wow. started this, this, we started this fundraiser on Monday when everything had gone from like, hey, this could be a thing to like, you know, nuclear in over the course of a couple of days. So by I think Tuesday or Wednesday, we put this t-shirt up for sale. We had it in, in white and black, just a little simple design we did. By Wednesday, we had a hundred different bars and restaurants around Chicago signed up as part of this fundraiser promoting it we had to like cap it because we we're this is just too much for us to manage um and we had sold tens of thousands of dollars worth of these of t-shirts these wow. already and then by the, the end of the week we were at six figures we had sold a hundred something thousand dollars we were getting national press and people reaching out to us from around the country like hey can we do a version of this in our city um i had to like scramble and find a, a, a charity to partner with to help us like facilitate uh you know the, the distribution payments um and the paperwork and then we had uh, uh an owner of a restaurant group here that we do a lot of work with is also like a pretty well-known artist and he designed some artwork that we put on bags and hats and another t-shirt and that went crazy and then another artist did a blanket for us and that went crazy and like at the end of the day we had done it had been four or five weeks and we'd done two hundred and eighty thousand dollars in sales oh um so we ended up after cost of goods sold, um, you know, we donated all the profits from that and, you know, ended up being a couple grand per restaurant that signed up um, to distribute to their employees. And right at the end of that fundraiser, you know, we had a, a ton of eyeballs on the site and a bigger email list and yada, yada, yada. We launched these cloth masks. And again, fortuitously, the mask mandate went into effect, like as we launched the masks. Um, and within, I think within a couple hours of putting it up on the website, it was our best-selling item of all time. Um, oh my goodness. It was crazy. So we ended up, between selling through the website and people asking us to private label manufacture masks for them, we sold 
we did more revenue in mask sales in 2020 than we did total revenue in 2019. So Whoa. perfect. It was, it, yeah, it was crazy. So, um, you know, the masks were basically like, Hey, we just did this whole fundraiser to make sure that everyone was taken care of during the shutdown. And then we were like, we've also had several hundred thousand dollars of business cancel on us. No one's paying us the stuff they owe us. And there's no end in sight for this thing. Like we got to figure out how to take care of ourselves, you know? So that's where the, the masks came from. Um, and we took that money and pretty much invested it right back into the business. Um, invested in our product off uh, our product lineup, uh, product development, marketing, and um, really kind of set the business off on a, a new, a whole new path. Not, not a new path, but a new, we were up in the stratosphere compared to where we were in 2019. It was like, nice. we, we really, we really made some lemonade out of lemons with that fortuitously. Geez, that's nice to hear. That's really nice to hear. Yeah. Is there anything that you would like to share that I might have missed asking? No, that was actually extremely thorough. I think we covered at least everything that we had. I had my in my head. Oh, super. Okay, I just want yeah. to make sure everybody benefits to the fullest from your. Yeah. Uh, um, I do have. If you'd like, I can share a coupon code for your listeners. Anyone who wants to make a first-time purchase on the website. Oh, that'd be awesome. That would be totally yeah, great. awesome. And I'll, um, I'll let's ask. do, we'll do a Jerry 15, G-E-R-R-Y 15. That'll get you 15% off your first order. Beautiful. Thank you very, very much. Okay. Yeah, I'll, certainly. I'll add that to uh, the information and to the show notes. Great. Jim, thanks a lot. I really appreciate you taking the time. This yeah. has been wonderful. I, I learned a lot in this and I've been in this industry for, well, way too long. So I really appreciate you taking the time to uh, chat and uh, we should do this again down the road just to see how things are going. Yeah. I'd like to, once we get into Europe a little more, I'd like to talk about that. Oh, absolutely. We'll do it. Cool. Thanks a lot, Jim. Great. All right. Thanks a lot, Jerry. Take care, man. All right. Bye-bye. That was Jim Snedeker, co-founder and CEO of Stock Manufacturing. And I appreciate him taking the time to chat. I would encourage you to check out their website for motivation and you can find it at stockmfgco.com. And remember, if you do place an order, you'll receive a 15% discount off the first order by using the code JERRY15. That's G-E-R-R-Y number 15. I'll put this info in this episode's post show notes. Do you have a program in place for your property's uniforms? Let me know in the comments. You're going to have access to this episode for the next six weeks. Then we're going to lock it away in the vault for Hospitality Property School Group members only. If you're curious and would like to see all the valuable information you would have as a Hospitality Property School Group member only, check out the short video in this episode's post show notes. In the next episode, I will talk about boosting your security. If you have not done so yet, Sign up for Insider Tips. They are great. You can find the link in the show notes. Now, if you like this, let me know in the comment section below and if you're going to implement any of these procedures. You can support this free podcast by leaving us a review and giving us a five-star rating wherever you happen to be listening to it. Every review helps more people find the podcast at no cost to you. If you know someone who might benefit from this, please feel free to share it be sure to subscribe. Thank you so much for your attention 
and let's continue to work together to put heads in your beds. Until next time, have a fun day. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.